Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living in a world giving back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, uh, joined by my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Professor Jason Oakland. Um, We are without our dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg, who is, I believe, off recording videos for book promotion, um, doing celebrity stuff. Um, Building his social media empire. Yeah, but we are blessed to have with us our uh, friend and colleague, uh, again, who uh, joined us last week, and I have to say, Got a lot of positive feedback about the episode topic and the episode, so that was very heartening. Good deal. Um, the Reverend Dr. Joel Pless, and we're hoping to make this one of a, maybe a couple or a few episodes. They might not be all in a row, but um, that we hit on. Jason and I had done one a while back on, on why historical theology, why we do historical theology, why we're interested. Um, and I think way back when Mike and I did a kind of, one of those where we just talked, you know, and we did our thing on um, theology in general. But the thought is today for us to talk as theology professors here at Wisconsin Lutheran College, of course, not officially in that capacity, um, but about what is theology and why theology? What's the importance of theology? And then hopefully in a future episode, have one of how we approach theology here at Wisconsin Lutheran College, right? We... Um, we're teaching classes, we're trying to have this be a formative experience. What is it that we're aiming for and how are we going about that? Um, but the thought today will be big picture, kind of what is theology, why theology? Um, Let the Bird Fly is part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Um, they have lots of good stuff that you can go check out at 1517.org. We appreciate their support, the equipment, for instance, that we are using right now, um, and lest we make the introduction too long, Jason, will you, uh, well, first, I can't resist. Yes. Can you tell our listeners what you were just eating? <laughs> yeah. So Jason had this thing that has a normal name, <laughs> and, and he likes to do this, and he did this <laughs> while he knows I'm already fired up today. Yep. Well, tell them what you were eating, and don't say the general name, say what you said. So I had a Sumo Citrus brand of orange. Which is very tasty. But you didn't say orange. You said said sumo citrus, which is a what? It is like a giant, like cutie or halo orange. Okay. So they peel really easily and they're nice and flavorful. And uh, I thought he was going to be eating that during the podcast. I was very concerned and I expressed my concern. Yeah. I think in a very fraternal way. (laughs) Always. Always. And and he wolfed that bad boy down. That's right. Um, It is now gone. He does not have, unless I'm mistaken, there's no little tiny Coke. Nope. No, for I washing have, it down. I have some water. That's all I got. Joel, today. like a professional, this is his second episode, came in with, <laughs> with no giant fruit to eat, unless he, there's something in his pocket, like a granola bar. Right, yep. Um, but now that Jason is is done with his, um, that's some sort of fruity water you got there, though, huh? No, it's just water. It's just water. It's just a... What's on the... There's a fruit on it? It's a coconut on the bottle, but it's just a... Uh, Empty you're bottle that I reuse, bottle. yep, because okay. yep, I... You well, know, when you're done enjoying that, would you mind giving us our disclaimer? Yes, just. indeed. Uh, this show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. Uh, we will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you're just listening to a podcast, that's right, a podcast... So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
sure I got a picture of you with this giant sumo citrus for the episode picture, but yeah, too now, late. Do you like the system chapel or something? Huh? And that, uh, and that brings us to our main topic, which is what is theology or why theology? And I know if Michael were here, at some point he would say everyone does theology. It's just a question if they're a good or a bad theologian. The atheist is doing theology. And so I'll, I'll maybe just toss it to either of you, whoever would like to jump in. But if we, well, why don't we first, I'm going to throw it out to you. How would you describe what is theology? And then I'd like us to talk a little bit about why we call our department and what we do theology rather than religion classes. I think there's, even in our circles, you see both used. Um, but why don't we just start with big picture. Um, if you were talking to your students, what would you say uh, if someone asked, what is theology? Go ahead, Joel. Well, about the first day of class, I, I teach my students that theology, at least from my perspective, is more top-down and when we use the term religion, in my opinion, that's more bottom-up. So I, I really like to emphasize theology because that conveys the idea that theology is from God. And my students learn this famous quote from Thomas Aquinas. Theology is from God, it is taught by God, and it leads to God. And, and they also are confronted with a rather simplistic understanding of theology. Um, you know, I say, you, you probably heard this in grade school. Theology can be summarized by the word joy. Jesus, others than yourself, and then maybe at the college level, we say theology, to uh, quote Yaroslav Pelikan, is about God, your neighbor, and you. So, I sort of start with the fact that theology is God's revelation about himself and about what he would have mankind do in response to the fact that he has revealed himself to us. Yeah, and I think that's helpful, Joel, that you include. Um, I think if, if we just take apart the word, right, and maybe, Jason, you can yeah. speak to this in a moment, um, the God part stands out, uh, but the theology is, is more than simply kind of this, like, speculating, thinking about, God in heaven, um, but has both uh, vertical and horizontal orientations that will be very important. Uh, Jason, what would you say to students, or, or what stands out to you? Yeah, I would say that, you know, there is this, you know, I mean, the, the word itself is the the study of God, right, or the, the, the logic of God, and yet most of the times when we're talking about that, we are talking about a broader, we're not just talking about, well, what what do we learn about God and only God? Because it, it is about this idea of how we, um, what we learn from God, how we, how we relate to God, um, what that means and, and, and how that impacts our, you know, faith and life going forward. And then, of course, you know, we do, to, and, and I get to teach the, the doctrine classes. And, and part of that, we say, well, we um, are now in this particular unit going to narrow this down a bit and say here in theology we're going to talk about the you know now theology proper and in the study of God and what God reveals about himself but 
notice that this is only one part of the broader discussion that we're going to have about, <clears throat> you know, Christian doctrine and about uh, theology. Because, yeah, it's more than just, okay, well, what can I learn of God? But how does that impact me uh, in my faith, in my life, in my interactions with other people, not just with God? And I, and I think we can build on that. Maybe we'll hit religion and we can come back to how one's theology, how one thinks about God from our perspective, Christian perspective, we would say um, impacts everything else, right? There's no worldview that can be divorced from, no individual worldview that can be divorced from one's view of, relationship with, whatever language you want to use with, uh, God or without God, um, or with gods, or, or however we, we might want to put that. If we build a little bit more on theology and religion, and, and just to say, it's not wrong if if there's a Lutheran high school or college is talking about, you know, these are religion classes versus theology, but I do think uh, something that strikes me with religion as well is if you think of, like, religio, we're often thinking Greco-Roman civic religion where the it's hard to divorce the religion and the religious practice from to use an anachronistic term, the state or the city or the government. And patriotism and piety are kind of wrapped up together. This is what got the Christians in a lot of trouble early on is that in rejecting the Roman gods, it was seen as rejecting the Roman state. And so they're called atheists. They're atheists, though, so they're without the gods. I should have made that plural there. but uh, and And so religion often then is associated with ritual or practice um, in a way that maybe for the Christian who has rituals and practices, I mean, we have the supper and baptism, that comes with some baggage. And I think that in our culture, often religion then gets contrasted or associated with superstition and kind of uh, you go sunset, kneel, etc., and gets made more just a, a thing I'm doing, and loses sight of uh, what's going to be the the reason behind it and the things that shape one's broader life. And and so there's certainly important to religious practice. We should be in church. We should be receiving the Lord's Supper, being baptized. But I do think that that's something a lot of our students, when they hear religion, think more something like that. And so they might think, well, I'm not religious, meaning I didn't grow up going to church, whereas the fact is everyone is religious also. Not going to church is a religious practice. Um, But maybe theology conveys a little bit more um, that God is at the center of these questions and what is going on. Is that fair? Would you disagree in how you yeah. would present that to people? No, Jason? I think that's fair. And I think maybe one of the things, just to just to underscore that idea of, you know, I mean, Luther talked in this language too about, you know, everybody's everybody does theology. Everybody's part of a church. Um, and, and he says there's really only two, right? There's really only two churches. There's the true church, uh, the church made up of believers, but and then there's the false church that is really the, you know, that the church that um, is governed not so much by the Lord, but by Satan and, and all of, in all of its various forms. Right. And so, yeah, you, you, you can say that, you know, um, 
I'm not religious or I don't have a belief or a, or a spiritual, you know, um, uh, leaning toward me or whatever. But uh, as you say, that, that really is the, is the case for everyone. It's just whether that's good or bad or, or whether that's part of true church or not, you know. And I think, Joel, you hit on, and maybe we can unpack a little, the theology maybe has a bit more top-down connotation in the fact of if we're viewing God as above and we're here, uh, that it's the study of, of God. It's more than just kind of this, it's not just merely empirical, physical material. There's the metaphysical. But you also noted, and Jason noted, that it's as God reveals himself to us. And I think when we as Christians, and especially as Lutheran Christians, talk about theology, that's just an assumption on which we're operating that might be foreign to a lot of other religions or even confessions of faith within Christianity. So when we talk about doing theology, and theology historically was considered a science. In fact, it was called the queen of the sciences back in the good old days, right? Mm-hmm. And um, scientia being knowledge, it was viewed that in theology you were actually coming to know things, to know truth, and there was ways to come to know them. Uh, and you mentioned Aquinas, and so for Aquinas you have revelation and reason, and, and we can get at these things. Lutherans, of course, uphold natural law as well. But while we can speak of it properly as top-down, once we start doing it, we also realize that it's not that we're going to bring God down from heaven, right? that we're now going to fit him in our head, that he's an idea for us to capture there. But we actually start, Luther says, at the manger, God as we can know him, as you both mentioned, as he's revealed himself. And so maybe if we hit on that a little bit, and, and we can take it from the Christian perspective as you want or how other people do theology. But everybody's doing theology, but the basis on which they do it yeah. um, can be very different. And so what is, what is when, when we have a student in our class and we're going to do theology, what is it we think is the basis? How do we proceed? And maybe how does that contrast with other religions or with a, you know, irreligiousness? Yeah, I, I would like to expand on that. My uh, beloved dissertation supervisor at Concordia St. Louis, Dr. Thomas Monteufel, one, once taught me that theology is thinking God's thoughts after him. Hmm. And, and that has always stayed with me. So, so how do we know God's thoughts? Well, I, as I just taught my... One of my classes a couple weeks ago, um, there are some commonalities between Christianity and its mother religion, Judaism, and one of those is a sacred, authoritative text. So what I do, particularly with students who are not Lutheran, is I make it very clear to them, you know, I'm not trying to proselyte you, uh, proselytize you in any way, but um, what I am trying to do is, is to sharpen your ability to think biblically. So I lead with the idea that, you know, God has revealed himself, certainly in nature, but he has also revealed himself through a sacred authoritative text, the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and, and a good part of theology then is, of course, studying the word of God, how it applies to us, and then 
as, as Jason pointed out, um, I always put a strong emphasis on the, vertical dim- on the vertical dimension of theology, that theology is between you and God, but theology also informs us how we deal with our fellow man and, and certainly with the created world, the uh, plant and the animal world, that God has created us to live in. So theology definitely has both a vertical and a horizontal dimension. So theology is thinking God's thoughts after him. I I do like I personally that. I've like heard that, that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I like that thought or the that definition too. I think that's that's a good thing and I think it's interesting how you see that play out sometimes yeah. in in um scripture. I mean, I think that's one of the things that you see with 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 um Adam in Genesis, right, where this whole idea of God sending the, you know, hey, it's not good for the man to be alone, and hey, Adam, name all these animals. It's giving it's giving Adam that opportunity, right, to to think God's thoughts after him, and and I think too this whole idea and this to me is something that talking about revelation and maybe tying this into some of the thoughts of religion versus theology. I think that's some of it too. That the way I kind of look at that or, or talk about that sometimes is. Is you know say we're our our goal is to um, learn more of what God reveals in His Word and and of course that's where that's where we where we really begin um, really begin and end with the teaching of our courses here right I mean is that regardless of what course you're talking about the scriptures play a, a pretty central role when you're talking about theology courses and I I don't want to get too far ahead into maybe a future topic or whatever but but I think that's one of the things where you say, you know, we're maybe going to be talking, maybe it's a biblical course and that's pretty obvious, but even in some of the others when you're talking history or when you're talking um, doctrine or some of those things, you know, script, the scriptures still play a pretty pretty vital role. And, you know, it comes from that conviction that this is where God reveals himself most clearly, right? That there there are some things that you can learn from of God from other places, but the clearest revelation comes um, from his word, and and that's what we want to be about. And I would say, too, that, you know, some of this kind of comes into play with the religion part where you say, you know, yeah, we're, we're at a Lutheran college, and, you know, I'm teaching theology as someone who's convinced, you know, that Lutheranism is the best way to approach this uh, topic of theology. But, I, again, like you, like you were saying, Joel, that, my my goal isn't necessarily here to make you into a, a, a Lutheran, but um, we are going to study the scriptures, uh, and hopefully you will come to, to know God better as you do that. And I think, you know, also the idea that, um, you know, maybe you are going to be, again, equipped to, to deal with some of these questions that come up when you say, well, there are, there, there are these differences in religion or confession for a reason, uh, and maybe at least you know you'll have a chance to think about some of these things, and maybe a better be better equipped to answer some of those questions going forward for yourself. But again, you know, there's a reason I have the confession why the why I am part of the religion that I am. Um, there's a reason that you know here at WLC we're a Lutheran college, but you know, our goal is to ultimately learn what God teaches, a, what God teaches us in his word. Um, 
and then yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll leave that the rest of that part up up to you, and certainly encourage you in your uh, in <coughs> your faith, your life of faith. But you know, my goal is not necessarily to ultimately convert you to Lutheranism. And I think, uh, you know, there as as you guys hit on, there is a place for nature and reason. Um, mm-hmm. We have Generac Hall where we have people studying the sciences not only so that they can get a job and not only so that they can learn horizontally ways to help their neighbor uh, in medical fields or scientific fields, but because the heavens declare the glory of God, um, that we can delight in God's creation as we study and learn more about it. Um, Lutherans historically have valued uh, philosophy, not over theology, but have valued it because reason, while it can be abused, can be a good gift for trying to understand things of God as well. I mean, you look at someone like Plato, and he got pretty close to monotheism, um, pretty close to Christian. There were Christians who want to put Plato in heaven because, right, he could get pretty close. Um, and, And these are good things. But I do think you guys are hitting on, importantly, what stands out for us is how God has revealed himself most clearly and where he's promised to do that and to be found is in the scriptures. Because if we know God only from nature, that leaves big gaps. And it also leaves us not entirely with a gracious God. Um, we can see capricious things in nature because nature is fallen nature in a fallen world. Uh, with reason as well, there's big gaps in what reason can uh, reach. And yet God reveals himself in scripture as a gracious God. And, and maybe here we can hit a little bit on, we talked with, Seminex last time in historical criticism, that when we talk about studying the Bible, that we're studying God's revelation, we're studying his word, we also mean that we're meeting there the capital W word, right? That this is, this is an encounter with God, and we don't mean in a kind of enthusiastic, like I feel heartburn, warm <laughs> fuzzies sort of way, although sometimes you do, the text hits you in the gut, um, but Luther can talk about the scriptures are like the swaddling clothes in which Christ is, is wrapped. Jesus says, these are, they, these are they that testify about me. And so when we're studying the scriptures, this isn't just a, a textbook, hopefully, for Christians or for our students, although I think that's a challenge because it is a required textbook. But, <laughs> right, yeah. But that I'm actually there um, to meet God in the way that I get to know other people, too, my when I know a colleague or a friend well, I know them primarily from their words, from the communication we have. If you've ever lost your voice, um, you know, the frustration of not being able to speak words. If you've had a loved one who maybe was in the hospital, had a feeding tube or something, and, and couldn't speak for a while. And so God who created with word, let there be, who speaks, is, is with word communicating himself to us. And I, I think this is important in our day, where especially post-enlightenment, um, God is largely for many people an idea, right? I, uh, I use the Ricky Bobby grace scene from Talladega Nights, which may not be familiar to you guys, I don't know. But Will Farrow is praying grace at the table. He's a race car driver, and he's praying to baby Jesus, you know, 8 pound, 14 ounces, and then his buddy Kel Norton Jr. talks about how he likes to picture Jesus. <clears throat> and it's true, Jesus was a child. Um, but, uh, but Jesus is also not an idea or just a conception, which is super convenient. 
Because if he's just an idea or a conception, I can control that. Um, I can manage that. I can compartmentalize that. I can, you know, limit the damage it does. Um, I, I say that from a sinful perspective, not sanctified. Uh, but then when we're going to the Word, and, and again, I would say I say the same thing to our students of, you may not be a Christian or you may not be a Lutheran. That's totally fine. I want you to understand what what we believe and how we're operating. And then I usually tell them, too, if you're going to reject it, I want you to at least reject the best of it, which is the encounter with a gracious God um, in the Word and not just rules, as many people think of religion. Um, but what do you guys have to say or what maybe stands out in that, that, that theology for the Christian who takes the Bible as the chief encounter with God and from a Protestant perspective, the the primary authority in the church, that it's different for me just with a different text, that I'm not just standing over the text and learning about God. Um, am I off on that? Does anything come to mind for you guys? What, what immediately comes to mind is what I constantly <laughs> emphasize to my students that when we talk about revelation, there is inscripturated revelation on paper, but there's also incarnational revelation. So I emphasize to my students that the fullest revelation of God is the God-man Jesus Christ. So, so again, what is the purpose of theology? Ultimately, it's, it's to bring the sinner to know his or her Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and um, that's finally why we're here. And, and that's finally why God has put us on this earth. I mean, not everyone at the beginning of Christianity was called to be an apostle, but everyone was called to be a witness who, who believed that Jesus was, was their Lord and Savior from sin. And, and, you know, finally, once we understand the, um, the message of theology, then, empowered by the Spirit, we then seek to be his witnesses. I think another part of that, you know, and I do think that it's really uh, an interesting and instructive thing that, that you know, Scripture calls Jesus the Word, the Logos. Um, and I think that idea of, you know, how do you get to know, how, how can you really know someone? You can't unless they share their words and thoughts, right, you know, in words. Uh, and I think, you know, kind of, what Joel is saying there, you know, like I, I see the Logos as, you know, Christ, the Logos is you want to know the heart and mind of God best while you look at Christ because there's where, you know, that's um, written loudest and clearest, right? Um, and then God reveals in Scripture, but I think it's also a reminder that um, God doesn't reveal everything. And that, that some of this, too, is that there are things that God chooses not to reveal. And there are, there are some things that remain mysteries. Um, mysteries, you know, by definition, are things that have to be revealed, at least, it, at least in terms of the, of the biblical use of the word, right? There's, there's something that needs to be revealed. And, um, and say, too, sometimes that, that can be a frustrating thing when, when, you know, you dig into Scripture and you're excited to study this topic and then, you re- and then you reach the end of what Scripture has to say about it 
and you're not quite satisfied yet with the answer and yeah. and this idea that you know um some mysteries god keeps to himself and uh that's okay and and we'll we'll be just fine you know um and uh and 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 sometimes god keeps those mysteries to himself because uh he knows that's for the best you know he he knows that um if we had more than that uh, it wouldn't be good for us. So, so I think there's some of that too, where you know, to recognize that there are some limits to that, and to let God be God in those areas, and not go too far, uh, and saying I gotta, f- I gotta figure this out, and allowing then reason or philosophy or whatever else, whatever else it might be, um, to take a role that it shouldn't be taking. Yeah. When we, uh, when we think of any of our classes here at Wisconsin Lutheran College, but I would say especially in the liberal arts and the humanities, my hope at least, is we're, we're, we're not doing something with the students so that they never do it again. You know, it's not like when I teach a history course, this is all the history you should know. We're, we're learning how to do history, how to engage with the past, um, you know, the, the same is, is true in any discipline. But, I mean, for the humanities, this is important. And I think it's important with theology, too. And, and sometimes the church has done itself a disservice in the sense, you think of confirmation and we put a robe on the kid, we have an examination. We totally give the impression, now you know what you need to know, and then we wonder why they're not in Bible class. I think that can happen in a theology class, too. Um, there's students that come through and they've read a significant chunk of the Bible and they've talked a, um, a fair amount of, uh, doctrine after 12 credits here. Um, and you, you guys mentioned working through the scriptures, maybe looking for answers. Some you get, some you don't. And we definitely, they have to learn data. We we assess things. We have to be able to assess things if we want to be accredited. So we have to test things. But uh, one of the things with theology, we might, we might think, well, yep, theology, we've got the Bible. God reveals himself. We study that. We learn it. And we might think that means, well, we just, we're going to go there and learn all the information. And I always joke with my students what a horrible thing it would be to know the names of all the kings of Israel but end up in hell, right? To be the person who learned all the Bible trivia but didn't know Christ. And you mentioned knowing God, Joel. And when we say no, I think it's important for people to understand what we mean by no. We don't just mean no intellectually. We mean no like Adam knew Eve and she gave birth to a child, or like they knew good and evil after the fall, that is, they experienced it. Uh, this is not just to have intellectual knowledge of God. And many of our relationships in life um, are repetitive, have a liturgy. I see my wife every day. We get up around the same time. <coughs> we have kind of the same discussions. Kids got to be here, this or that. We get home. One of us cooks dinner, whatever else you go through. And yet I've never at any point said, well, I know my wife, and I'm just content to know her this much. Like, I know her name. I know where she was born. I know many of her history because it's been my history. But there's always something to, to go back to that relationship. More, there's more to come out of it, and I would say the relationship grows through that. Um, hopefully the couple that's married 40 years knows each other better than the couple who has been together 10 years and grows into that. And if I can use that analogy for going to the scriptures, maybe. Um, I'm sure you guys have done this, too, if you've ever looked back on old sermons. And I have a box, I think I took it out of here because Mike kept making fun of me, (laughs) of 10 years of sermons from my parish. And you look back, and sometimes you're pleased. You go, 
wow, I hadn't thought about that with that text, but I've preached that before, and that was pretty... And then sometimes you go, oh, man, that must have been a rough week. Um, but someone could say, well, Wade, you've preached on this text probably some of them 15, 20 times now, and uh, you you haven't said the same thing each time, uh, and, and take that as a weakness on my part. But I think it's actually part of coming to know God and learning the scriptures is the scriptures aren't just this quantifiable thing that we go, it's not like a, a pudding cup and now you've eaten all the pudding. It's more like a mind that just keeps, you know, um, producing an ocean. And that when we talk about going to the scriptures then, much of what we do as beginning Christians or in our classes here um, professionally is getting you ready for that. Like here, we're going to have to have the basic structure. We're going to learn the basics. But doing theology is is also going to the text. It's going to the, and I don't mean just going academically or in the Greek or Hebrew. I mean, especially devotionally or hearing them preach um, in a way that, that God is interacting with you each time you do that. Um, and so it's not wrong if something stands out a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. You might be interpreting something completely <laughs> wrong. Um, but God is at work on you more than you're at work on the text. Um, at least when we're when we're truly, I think, doing theology. Is that fair or is there thoughts you guys have on that? I mean, I'm guessing both of your hopes is that your students are going to build on what they do in your courses in the limited time you have with them in the scriptures or um, in church teaching. I, maybe I'm just off my rocker, but... No, I think... I- I think uh, that's an important thing. And I think I find every now and then, you know, having to take just a a moment or two, you know, away from like the normal lesson sometimes and just to kind of talk about, you know, because, because, and it'll usually be sparked by a question or something that, that someone raises from the class. Like, well, how do I, you know, how do I, you know, what, why is, why is this so important? Or how do I keep at this or how, you know, and say, well, you know, you're not necessarily, you're not going to, every time you come to the scriptures, you're not going to find something new every time. Um, and, you know, the, uh, and this is why, you know, it's important to stay connected um, to uh, a study of the scriptures in a congregation and be involved in, you know, hearing the word and studying the word going forward. And um, it's not just, you know, you get through, <laughs> you get through this three credit class uh, and your four-year program, and now you're set because, um, you know, you're going to change. Um, the questions that you ask are going to change. The challenges that you face are going to change. Um, and, you know, and Satan's going to continue the attack, right? And, you know, um, you won't hear something new every time you right. come to church. The same and, as with marriage. If you were to yeah. ask my wife probably... Was marriage more exciting? Was Wade more exciting in the honeymoon phase <laughs> or after 20 years? Yeah. Um, there might have been where it's new and you're getting the first insights. It's more exciting. Um, if you were to ask her, was it a better marriage? I don't know if that would right, right necessarily be the, the case. Sometimes, um, you know, marriage grows through the seeming mundane and monotonous, yeah. And you know, sometimes exciting Wade might just be a little overwhelming. You right. Know, for, you know, no, I, I think know. she. Yeah, <laughs> she's glad when exciting Wade is gone. Yeah, but uh, I think, and, and just to underscore for 
you know, the students then, you know, this idea that, you know, that's a, that's really a good thing that when I come to, come to church or when I go to the scriptures, I don't necessarily find something new, but I find something that, um, is, was good to be reminded of again, that, that I'm being, you know, built up in the foundation that has been laid there. And, um, maybe it's, maybe it, what I heard wasn't new, but it struck me in a different light. Um, and, you know, help to answer that question or to, you know, um, lead me through this struggle or what, what have you. And I think, you know, just that encouragement sometimes I think is, is needed because, you know, they kind of think, well, you know, I'm here to learn material. And And it's setting you up to understand something later, maybe. Yeah. We always think the aha comes in the moment, but there's lots of times God's prepared us to have an insight way down the road through something we encountered Mm -hmm. earlier. So, yeah. So I, I, I think too, that sometimes you have to take a moment or two just to help them to understand that a little bit, especially from an academic context, you know, I say, well, this is just about taking in material and being able, no, there, there's more going on here than that. What would you guys, maybe one last thought that I can throw to you guys. So we live in an age where um, we hear a lot of, you know, someone's spiritual, but not religious. Um, I think in higher ed theology gets thought of as more like a, it's a personal, metaphysical, you know, it's a, a soul thing. Um, and in that way is different than a lot of other disciplines that are aimed at the, you know, the mind and the body, um, practical everyday life. And Joel, you've hit on the vertical and horizontal. The, uh, what about theology? And sometimes I think that word spiritual gets used in Christians of taking it in a way that the Bible doesn't mean it. Um, you know, spiritual is not connected to like, well, it's not material in the Bible. Um, what about theology and both body and soul? And if you can be spiritual in a biblical sense and not religious, most people who say they're spiritual but not religious are coming from a Christian background and they're, and they're thinking that's almost a Christian thing to say. There was even a movement for a while about, well, Jesus wasn't religious, right? He was spiritual. Um, is theology for the whole person, and if what, and if so, in what sense? And then is theology so radically different than other disciplines that we recognize as being practical, right, or um, focused on everyday life? I, that's something that you sometimes hear in higher ed as theology departments, other people talking, well, theology classes should be more practical, and uh, that would be a good episode, too, right? And we've done, I think, Habitus Practicus once, but uh, I'll throw it to you guys. I'll stop talking. All right. I'll start. It is uh, central to Lutheranism that, that Jesus Christ redeemed both the body and the soul so that both human entities can live for his glory. So, so absolutely, Wade... Theology is full is for both the body and then the soul, and you know the three of us are are just privileged to teach at a college level, where where we teach athletes, we teach musicians, we teach um, future business leaders, we teach um, future professionals in the um, healthcare. So 
we just have so many opportunities to, to apply theology and to apply the truth that, yes, Jesus Christ saved your soul from going to hell, but he also redeemed your body so that you can live in this world as his son did, and you can live for the glory of God, body and soul. And, and that just makes... Um, I, I always try to bring theology and, 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 and make it very real to my students. One line that I just constantly use, especially when we're talking about the New Testament epistles, is when we read any epistle, we have to understand that we're reading somebody else's mail. It is very important for the theological task to understand the original meaning that the inspired writer meant for his for his original recipients, but it's also vitally important to approve to appropriate those truths in these wonderful epistles, you know, for our own faith lives, and then to apply these truths to our lives of sanctification. Yeah, and it's it's hard to read the epistles, to read those letters, and walk away with, well you know, Paul or whoever is just concerned with the ineffable otherworldly. You read, for instance, first and second Corinthians and oh, yeah. it's nuts and bolts. Yeah. Daily yeah. life. It is a yeah. body and soul. Uh Jason, any thoughts? You Yeah, heard? I think the the that that this is for the whole person and I think that, you know, and this is as practical as it gets, you know, this habitus practicus thing that you know, and I think Joel and talking like you did, you know, you you have people you're you have people in the classroom that are you know, studying, you know, things of, you know, to serve others in the medical field in various ways. And, you know, it's like, I think the, the best way to, to, to try to communicate that truth, like theology is not just acquiring knowledge. Um, this is meant to be applied to you and to the people that you come into contact with in all these different areas. You're not here to study nursing or you're not here to study biology. Or you're not just so that you can sit at home by yourself and, you know, ponder all these knowledge, all this knowledge, all these facts that you've learned, you know, you're doing this to go out and apply this to other people, right? You know, that, that doesn't do a darn bit of good. If, if you're just going to sit and ponder it, it's meant to be applied, applied to yourself and applied to others. This is, this is what theology is about, you know, the, this idea that, um, you know, this is how you, how you interact, you know, how, how you um, navigate some of these, um, you know, people, the people that you meet in the situations that you find yourself in. And, you know, boy, this is these things that we, and you might say, well, they're not as immediately practical as I see them. Well, maybe not always or not all of them, but they all impact that. Um, and there, there is a practical application of these things. And we, so we've, we're talking theology, the study of God, but we've spent a lot of time talking about human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a lot of sense because there is, there is no God who is not God in relationship to human beings and that didn't um, become a human being. Uh, this is the, the, the basis for Christians. Yes, we can talk image of God, but for me, even more powerfully, the basis of Christians for human dignity is there's no one for whom Christ did not come to redeem them, right? There's no person for whom Christ did not shed his blood. And uh, so we're talking a lot about human beings, and we've talked a lot about serving and neighbor. And there's a reason that Jesus says the two great commands are love God and then love neighbor, because there's 
There's no God who you can love who doesn't also love your neighbor. And if you love him, you'll love what what he loves. And so hopefully we're giving a sense with this uh, that theology is is something that gets its fingers into everything. Um, it's not a, a discipline that we can compartmentalize, that we can you know periodize and kind of keep here in its cage. Uh, but it's something that seeps into into all life. And that's the wonder of it. Because mm-hmm. when theology is seeping into all of life, that's a gracious God who's making his way into all of life, which makes life better and uplifts our neighbor, but also gives meaning and purpose to us. So, so dare I say, and we'll get next time into, or, or in the future, how we do theology here at WLC. But dare I say, um, everyone is a theologian, but maybe the the best way to be a theologian is to be one in relationship with God, a gracious God through his word so that you can, uh, you can let the bird fly. Drunk. I'm just a tanker. I said, I'm up another round. 